0: showed me something tonight that I've never seen before concerning that burning bush that Moses saw. I'm just going to talk through this tonight. There's such an anointed spirit of healing and hope for you. Let me share this with you. Please turn to Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father in law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb. It's also known as Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a burning bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush. Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you stand is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Now here's Moses tending his father-in-law's flock. Moses is stripped of all power, stripped of authority. He's now a lowly shepherd, doesn't even own his own flock. It's his father-in-law's. And he's been out in the desert tending those sheep. It says that he saw a bush that was burning. And he says, and he would turn to look at it. The word in the Hebrew uh, that said he would turn it, literally he would strain his neck. It, it, It was something that caught his attention. How many of you know that God needs to catch your attention from time to time? But he could have easily walked past it. But it says, and when he turned, then God... Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight and why the bush doesn't burn. Sometimes God has to do something peculiar. God has to do something odd. God has to do something you're not expecting. Isn't it interesting that we think God's going to answer our prayer by what we expect him to do? And so often he does something so unusual, so different than what you've expected. Moses thought that he was going to be the prince of Egypt. Moses thought that he was going to be the deliverer. And he was, but not the way he thought. It started with a burning bush that was something so unusual that it had to turn him aside. And it says that when he turned to look, when the Lord saw that he turned to see, God called him. And he said, here am I. And he said, this isn't a typical ground. He said, take your shoes off. I don't need anything man-made, anything manufactured by your hand or any other man to stand where I am. There'll be no flesh that glories in my sight. Take your shoes off. Dust to dust, ashes to ashes. Because I can make you go right back from whence you came. (laughs) And so he does in reverence and in holiness and respect to God. And then there's verse 7. then... The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And he says, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, and I know their sufferings. This verse is key. This verse says something about God's character that Moses did not comprehend, and most of us don't comprehend. Concerning our suffering, he says this in a threefold manner, I have surely seen the afflictions of my people. I've seen it. Now, it's one thing for God to see it, but secondly, he says what? I've heard it. I've heard it. You've prayed. I see it. I've heard it, but here's the, here's, the, here's the stretch. And he then says, I know their sufferings. Do you understand something that he qualifies who he is? He says to Moses, I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was in covenant with that family of Abraham. He was in covenant with them so that what he had seen them go through, what he had heard them go through, he says, I know their suffering. And that word in the Hebrew for know means to feel the affliction, to experience it and know it. What God was saying is, I am suffering with my people. And that's why that bramble bush, that's why that bush was burning because God was in the midst of the briar. God was in the midst of the thorn bush. God was in the midst of the trouble and the trial. You will see him repeatedly throughout the Old Testament be in the midst of his people. When they threw the three Hebrew boys into that fire, God had no problem entering into that fire with them. He would travel with his people. When God's in covenant with you, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He sees what you're going through. He hears your prayers and he knows and experiences your suffering. This is who he is introducing Moses to, the true self of who he is. And then it says that the angel of the Lord spoke to him. The angel of the Lord. Now that is a unique Term and phrase for this messenger. Angelos in the Old Testament means messenger, the messenger of the Lord. This isn't Gabriel, this isn't Michael, this is a unique reference because this messenger of the Lord, this word of God in that bush spoke in the first person. He is the invisible image. I'm sorry, he is the visible image of the invisible God. He is that manifestation of God in the Old Testament that was to become flesh in the New Testament. Theologically, they call it a theophany, an appearance of God, and any appearance of God, any manifestation of God is Jesus, the Word, a pre-incarnate Christ. And he is in the midst of our trials. He's in the midst of... Israel's needs. Now, it says that it was a unique bush. It was a bush that was not consumed with the fire. And as I began to study this bush, in Hebrew, it's called Sinai. And it's a play on words because this is the same mountain called what? Sinai. And Jewish theologians believe that this Sinai bush is the bush Rahos Sanctus. Another word for it is a blackberry bush. A blackberry shrub. It, it is a bramble. It is a thorn bush. And when you look at blackberries, there's a unique aspect to this kind of bush. You can see here it's just a, a mound of vines that are wrapping and winding. Anybody ever pick blackberries here? Yeah. Now, your hand can go into that bush easily. It's when you pull it out that you have trouble because the the pickers and the thorns on this thing are pointed downward, and as they're pointed downward, when you move in, you don't feel the burr of it, but when you come back, you, you are caught, and it scratches you and scrapes you. This is very much like Israel that went into Egypt in a time of famine very easily they were favored, they were honored they were given their own land in Goshen they were given sheep to to herd and to farm and, and so forth the going in was okay the coming out not so good and so this blueberry bush, I'm sorry blackberry bush provides fruit sustenance but it is a thorn bush and the fire of God is in the midst of the thorns and the thistles of our lives. I'm thinking of Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and God is our strength. A very what? Present help in a time of trouble. That's why he's burning this blackberry bush. It's not being consumed, but he's in the midst of the thorns, the thistles, and the struggle. He is burning and consuming in the midst of our troubles and our trials. And he says, I see you, I hear you, and I feel you. How many of you know that term? You feel me? You feel me? You ever say that to people? They go, yeah, man, I feel you. And it's like, you don't feel me. You don't know. God knows. God knows. God knows. And he says this is holy ground. The difference is, you see, all of a sudden this rocky side of a mountain became sacred. It's holy ground because it's where God's presence is. Wherever God is, that becomes holy. He'll become the fire in the midst of the camp of Israel so that wherever the fire is, he goes. And how many of you know that there was never a floor to the tabernacle? There were walls, there were tents, there were canopies. But wherever the floor was, it was just the sand of the desert. But that ground became holy. Your trial that you're going through, your struggle that you're going through, because you're going through it, has now become holy to God. The devil may have brought you into this thing easily, but it has now become holy and sacred ground for God to present himself as the answer, to bring revelation to the depth of your knowledge as to who he is. The reason you've got the faith you've got is because of the troubles you've been through. And you may have been the cause of those troubles, but God joins you in them. He will accompany you because he's in covenant with you and where you go, he goes. Can you imagine a God that says, I ain't going there with you. Nope, not going there. But he's in covenant. He cannot deny his word. He cannot deny the blood you trust. Even though we may trespass against the goodness of God, he will go with you. Besides, how will you ever get out if he doesn't? And so all of a sudden, this bramble bush, this blackberry bush, this mess of vines and and so forth begins to burn but not consume with a holy glow and a holy fire. Moses says, I've seen these bushes all over the desert. There's something different about this one. There's something catching my attention. And as he approaches it, it's God. And God said, I've seen it. I've heard it. I have felt the trouble of my people that I am in covenant with, and I want you to go Free them and release them. And he says, nope, not going to do it. You want me to go where? I got kicked out of that place. Don't you remember? I failed miserably. Four times Moses says, nah. He says, you're going for me. Nah. I'll come with power and might. Put your hand in your your vest. Bring it out. Leprous, put the stick down. Snake, right? I'll be there. No. You're going. No. I can't speak, I stutter. Fine, your brother's on the way. I've got a solution to that problem already. He says, okay, but who should I say sent me? And he says, I am that I am. Now that is an awesome name of self-existence that there is no one else that needs to cause him to be or to exist. He is the self-existent one. He is the incomprehensible God. No creator, no ending. But it's more than that. He says in this I am that I am also means I will be what you need me to be. You see, Yahweh, I am. And then when he heals someone, he says, I am, I am your healer, Jehovah Rapha. I am Rapha. I am your healer. When he needs provision he shows up and says I am Yahweh Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. I am what you need me to be. That's what my name is. I love that, because that name, you can attach anything onto it. It's a Lego name. You just put a piece right to it for whatever your need is. I need deliverance. I am your deliverer. I need this. I am that. And then he sums it all up with one name that encapsulates everything you would ever need, and that is I I am Yeshua. I am your salvation, which means deliverer, which means your Savior, which means everything, every name, every name that God has ever had. There's one name that is above every other name of God, the name of God, Jesus, because he's the presence in a time of trouble. And he asks this, he says, I need a sign. I really am not sure about you sending me. Now that shows you something about Moses, doesn't it? Moses got so meeked, meeked out by God, right Remember, he was a bit of a brash fella. I mean, he was, he was the son of the Pharaoh. This guy was going to rule and reign Egypt someday. When he saw that the Hebrews needed deliverance, he said, "I'm on the task. Just call me." But after 40 years in the desert... <laughs> And being in isolation, God says, okay, I'm calling you. He goes, no, nah, I, I, I missed my turn. I missed my time. I'm done. I'm used up. I'm over. I don't know how many of you have said that, but that is not the case. Because there's a, there's a bush inside you that's burning with the presence of God. It may be thorny and it may be a problem, but there's fruit on it and God's going to deliver it. And he says, what's the sign? And I love this. He says this in Chapter 3, verse 12. I will be with you, says the Lord, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. And when uh, This is the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you'll sh- you shall serve the God on this mountain. Now, I find that absolutely hilarious. I think that's funny. He says, this is the sign that I sent you when you go there and deliver them and bring them through the desert and bring them back here, then you'll know, I sent you. Seriously? I have to do all the work, and then when I come back, I'll know I was supposed to? But I think there's actually more to it than that. What he's saying is this. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Something's going to happen on this mountain. But you see, Moses had to be convinced. And what's amazing about this burning bush and the uniqueness of this sign to Moshe, to Moses, is that not only was God seeing the affliction of his people, he was seeing the affliction of Moses. Not only was he hearing the affliction of his people, he was hearing the affliction of Moses, and he was also knowing the place of Moses because God had a call on that man's life. And though it may have been delayed and though he needed to form him and shape him to the time, there was a time when God says, I know the plans I have for you, for a hope and a future to prosper, not harm you. Do you know the name Moshe? The name Moses means out of the Waters, because he was delivered as an infant from being killed and destroyed by the very Pharaoh that he was going to serve. And they gave him the name, Out of the Waters, because his mother built a little stru- a basket of an ark and put the baby in it and sent it down the river, and his sister Mary would watch through the reeds and follow it, and through the waters, Moses came. But that name was going to become important again, wasn't it? Because he was going to bring his people, what? Through the waters. He was brought up in Egypt under Pharaoh by Pharaoh's daughter, which gave him access to the greatest library then known on the earth. He studied law and he studied government under Pharaoh's direction with the sense of becoming the Pharaoh of the greatest nation on earth. And so he understood law and government. That could come in handy at, at a certain point in time, don't you think? He also understood justice and he understood who his people were. He had compassion. Compassion and justice. He had compassion for his people. He never forgot who his people were, the Hebrews. And when he saw injustice against his people, he cared enough to do something about it. You've got to remember that the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, not because they did something wrong, not because they did something evil, but because of the tyranny of the Egyptians who were afraid of a people blessed by God. Their crime was they were God's people and they were blessed. There'll be a time, there'll be a time coming when you, blessed person of Jesus, will be persecuted. Not because of something you've done wrong or because of any evil in your life, but because you are blessed by the Lord God, people will come against you. But all that he needed at this point was to be taught in the desert. And God had to shape something in him. God had to take his knowledge of compassion and justice but put it in the hands of God. So God had to meek this man to where his testimony once was. He was the meekest man on earth. He would yield to the authority of God in his life. That's what trials will do for you and I. This is where struggles shape us and change us, that we would take all pride out of us, and we would become utterly dependent on God. And the struggle we're in isn't because God's ignoring us. God's feeling it. God's struggling with you in it. But he's trying to bring fruit out of this bush as he's burning inside of your trials. Moses remembers this, and as Moses is blessing the 12 tribes as they're leaving in Deuteronomy 33, he says this uh, to the tribe of Joseph, may the Lord bless you and the best gifts of the earth and its fullness and the favor of him who dwells in the bush. He gives God the very name that impacted him. This is the God that hangs in the bushes. But something was supposed to take place. He brings them all the way back. Can you believe this? He brings them all the way back to the mountain where the burning bush is. But something happens. It's not one little bush that's burning. Now that Moses brought the nation back to the mountain of God to Sinai, God doesn't burn a bush, He burns the mountain. And it says in Deuteronomy, I'm sorry, Exodus 19.18, Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. The sound of the ram's horn blasted, and it was so loud. It was piercing, and the earth shook. God was telling the nation, uh, as he told Moses, one individual in a burning bush, he's telling the nation, I'm burning for you. I am your God. You are my people. My presence that is a burning, consuming fire will never leave you. I'll bring you through the water, through the storm, through the desert. If you'll be my people, I will be your God. He's burning for us. And all of this from that burning thorn bush was manifest finally in the greatest expression of his fire of love for us. He said, I've seen the affliction of my people. I've heard their cries. And he says, I know your suffering. Jesus came in the flesh to know our suffering. He carried the weight of our sin and our guilt and our shame. He knows what it is to be afflicted and to be broken. He knows the torment of God's wrath upon sin. And the thorn bush in the middle of the thorn bush is a burning love of God for you and I. And I don't know what you're going through. And I don't know what you've been through. But a gospel that takes value out of suffering is not the gospel of scriptures. What happens with suffering now is that the gospel says there is value in what you are experiencing as a human being because what you suffer brings patience and patience brings character and character brings perseverance. And So our God is a fire in the midst of your trials and he is here to burn for us. And every experience you go through is a burning bush that has the fruit of God on it. Don't quit. Don't give up. I want to conclude with a poem written by Elizabeth Barrett Browning. A great Christian woman. A great poet. At the end of this poem from... Aurora Lay, she says this Earth's crammed with heaven, and every common bush a fire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around it and pluck blackberries and daub their natural faces unaware. She had the insight of the burning bush. You see, people all around us are taking the fruit of God's grace and goodness through planet Earth and doing their thing. But you who know the glory of God in every burning bush and in every situation, you understand there is God, Christ in it for us. And we recognize every situation is holy before God. If you're involved in it, it's become holy. And we take our shoes off and we reverence God. Bow your heads tonight.